0: This is Consumed, the podcast that sparks conversations with eaters, drinkers, thinkers, and makers across California, and especially at its heart, the Central Coast. I'm your host, Jamie Lewis, a freelance food and drink writer based in San Luis Obispo. Monaser Eisner and Wes Cook are two of the minds and hearts behind Hidden Kitchen in Cambria and Cayucas, California. Amonisar grew up at Esalen Institute in Big Sur, the famous property that is, as Wikipedia puts it, a nonprofit American retreat center and intentional community which focuses on humanistic alternative education. Esalen was really ground zero for the New Age movement, so it's always fascinated me that a Montessor grew up there as a child. Today, she owns and operates Hidden Kitchen, a set of two restaurants that serve blue corn waffles and smoothies, all gluten-free and all free of cane sugar. I truly love an HK waffle, and I know I'm not alone. A fiancé, Wes Cook, helps keep the business sustainable and community-oriented, but he's also partner at Seventh Generation Design, a company that helps properties implement regenerative systems like permaculture, rainwater harvesting and irrigation, and natural erosion and pest control. Amaneser and Wes come to the table from different angles, but their values are deeply linked, as you will hear. Listen in on my conversation with Amaneser Eisner and Wes Cook. Amaneser. I
1: always want to call you Amaneser, I'm sorry. Everyone wants to call me everything Monacear. but a a yeah. Monacear. A Monacear. Where does that name come from? What is it? It's a Spanish verb. Um, it- oh, I looked it up! oh
0: shoot what is it it's not like rainbow or something no what is it sun sunrise. close sunrise yeah
1: sunrise that's yeah. yeah, no but basically it sh- probably should have meant rainbow because my parents were in their big sir hippie phase when it came about and it was just like it's I've never met another um
2: but it means it means to dawn to dawn
1: like it's the yeah. act of the sun mm-hmm. dawning Ugh.
2: so it'd be like it, it, yeah, I have a friend named dawn but it would be like if your name was to dawn
1: yeah, Yeah. It's which pretty. makes no sense in the English language. But in Spanish, I guess it – I get a lot of feedback from people who speak Spanish who are like, yeah. wow, I want to name my child that. But that just is not a consideration for a name normally yeah. in the Spanish language. You say
0: your parents' um, Big Sur hippie phase. Is that phase over?
1: Yeah, okay, I think so. Okay. Um, they met at Esalen in Big Sur, and so mm-hmm. I think that was at, at a really – interesting time for both of them. My dad was just arriving from Argentina. My mom was sort of in this nomad phase of leaving Colorado and um, her mom had been to Esalen before her and was really into um, sort of holistic health Mm -hmm. um, and acupuncture and things like that. So they met in in this sort of free spirit time of their lives and then they had us and I think I mean we lived there for a pretty long time but my dad then got his de- his bachelor's degree in therapy and so he he became a psychotherapist and then I think sort of like real life and not this little bubble narnia reality yeah. sort of came bubble into narnia. yeah that's exactly what it is huh? it was that in so many amazing ways and yeah. challenging ways but um yeah so then we moved away our north to Big Sur proper and began the the non-hippie phase of our reality proper. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: That is such an interesting upbringing. I mean, Esalen has this it has this cultural significance and there's a shorthand people understand Esalen a certain way and um, I mean the way that I hear it most often spoken of is like the naked people in the hot tubs, right? I yeah. mean, that's a lot of the time what yeah. people think of. Wes is smiling at me like, are we going there? No, no, <laughs> that's what I thought about. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Yeah.
1: Is, uh, so you grew up there.
0: Were you born there? And you?
1: I was born way. on property. My brother was born on property. There's a staff housing space that is north of the actual esalen property it's called the south coast center so that's where most of the long-term staff lived mm-hmm. um and so we were born there and then we would commute our like half a mile to okay. property but yeah. yeah until i was seven and um was born there my dad was the preschool teacher there was a preschool at the time that was called the gazebo preschool and so While he was going to school, he was also sort of mentoring other teachers and was the director for the school for about 12 years. So my brother and I both got to start school really early, and my mom would come over and nurse us. And it was just such a supportive place to be a child and a parent. Yeah, totally. Do you think that the, you know, when people talk about
0: the, the folks in the hot tub, I mean... Does that only te- that only tells one tiny part of the story? I'm sure.
1: Yeah, I, like I said. I think it is Narnia, and and the the tubs are sacred, special mm-hmm. s- uh, space, and and have been forever, um, just based on the naturalness of the sulfur yeah. water and the springs. And uh, there's so much I could go into around Esalen. The hot tubs are a famous part of Esalen, yeah. but the garden and the farm, and then and I'm not sure right now because I think Esalen has shifted around a little bit and the pandemic kind of did that to a lot of uh, businesses but it was community like it was the most intact community I think that was um, in a lot of people's realities as far as Central Coast and maybe even longer distances Mm -hmm. go Um, so it was many things I think the the biggest thing for me aside from the tubs like that wasn't even a consideration for me growing up it was just my people your
0: and your home and who my my knows home. Yeah. when you're growing up i mean it's it's context is everything it's what you know and yeah um, yeah well i always found it really funny when i first met you a couple years ago that when you mentioned that you were that you had grown up at eslin um, that uh i know somebody else who grew up at eslin zoe beck which yeah. is like uh, how how likely is that? Well, here I think a lot of people maybe who grow up in Big Sur and along the coast there, the more isolated parts of the coast. I think a lot of them do wind up down here. Is yeah. that true?
1: Or North Monterey? Yes. Yeah. So I think either and and there's a old time population in Big Sur. I would say the nature of Esalen is a bit more transient, but the Big Sur people, there's some old families, old-time families who have remained there for Mm. centuries. Mm. Actually, like, a long, long, long time. There are, like, generations of families that have stayed. Isn't Um, that incredible? Yeah. Uh, And it's isolating, and it's in the middle of nowhere, and there's a commute to the grocery store, and Mm. depending on where you're located, you either drive to San Luis Obispo County and do your grocery run once a week, or you drive up to Monterey and do your grocery Mm -hmm. run once a week. So it's a very... um, challenging and and choiceful place to live like there's a lot of mm. choice behind choiceful is yeah. a good
0: word
2: it's a very small community too zoe's yeah. you can see you can see the zoe's backyard of house. zoe's parents yeah. house from her parents house yeah. and they're like yeah. super close good friends, friends. yeah
1: right <laughs> it's like you could i remember yelling across the canyon to our friend's house the, the harpers I'd be like come can you hear us <laughs> and then we'd call and say did you hear us or can you see our light and I mean it's 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 far we we talk about that too because once once we were no longer living on property at Eslin, as far as like community gathering spaces in Big Sur there weren't a ton of places that people went and when they were looking for connection with the community. Mm-hmm. Um Esalen mm-hmm. was its own little hub, but Esalen in and of itself was pretty exclusive. And so if you were a part of Esalen, you knew where you could go to find your people. But as far as Big Sur goes, there wasn't like the one breakfast spot that everyone goes to or uh-huh. the one community gathering space that you know you would find your people at. So yeah, yeah we were talking about just as we got older there wasn't we were so close to our friends but yeah. we felt so far away That's and it was always funny. like a dra- we'd have to get in the car and go down to yeah. go down the road and up the road and around all the bends so mm-hmm. yeah maybe they i think that they're working towards f- finding more community spaces in Big Sur right now and mm-hmm. they're doing some really sweet things to yeah support each other especially mm-hmm. i think again like the pandemic had so many <laughs> So it brought so much to so many of us. And I think there were so many silver linings, too, and and Mm -hmm. and really caused a lot of people to realize how important we all are to each other and Mm -hmm. how um, much we can be showing up for each other.
0: Yeah, I I was very intrigued during the pandemic about uh, I was intrigued by the isolated places on Earth and how they dealt with a sense of isolation, you know, socially, even just the fact that they couldn't connect with other places. And it's interesting. I think it, I think it still had an effect, like the potential for going and seeing others or connecting with others in person wasn't even there. And I think, I don't know. I just think about places that are, you know, like deep Nordic Scandinavian countries, um, Iceland, um, you know, the Siberian um, desert lands and all these places where, maybe folks there didn't make it maybe it didn't affect them very much and certainly like an access to technology and all of that has something to do with it but in big sur it was cool to drive through there and to feel like well it's just as isolated right now as it ever was before but there's that feeling of like we can't get close to people and you can't you can't connect at a deeper level like the potential isn't even there and that that bothered me that really bothered me i My son and I were driving in a Tascadero yesterday on the west side in the hills um, because he takes cello lessons up there. And so every week I take him over and he said, I don't know how people live up here like this. It's so quiet and like, you you, you know. Everybody's so far apart from each other. And you see our neighborhood, it's like we're all up in each other's stuff. But it's not like a high rise in New York or anything. Mm-hmm. And just realize, man, this kid is so spoiled. He <laughs> doesn't he doesn't realize what a nice medium he's got, you know, between the pe- super packed in and the super spaced out. Anyway, I'm rambling. So, um, how did the two of you meet, Wes and Amonasera? You go, babe, this one's mm. you. Oh, <laughs>
2: Yeah, well, we met at Eslin. Oh. Yeah. And um it was my first time ever going to visit and I definitely I had like the total opposite upbringing of a Montessori. I grew up in something very similar to this, you know, mm-hmm. kind of suburbia, yeah. you know, urban suburban. Um and yeah, I I kind of I think you go through different phases, but when I left and came up here for college, I was down in Southern California. I was just attracted to the open spaces mm-hmm. and the more remote things and dri- like driving up in the hills of Atascadero and seeing the five acre homesteads like that 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 speaks fe- to, that speaks to <laughs> me for sure. Yeah. So and she grew up on top of a mountain and uh, and this is speaking to her more but is that growing right? up in yeah.
1: For right now at least, yeah. Okay, yeah. I like I'm recognizing the conveniences are just amazing. It's like, <laughs> they wow, are. I can walk to the grocery store and I can ride my bike to natural space and I can, and it's not like down the hill 20 minutes and then you're on the road and right. then to town 45 minutes. Like packing minutes. a lunch because, Packing, yeah. I lived out of my car in high yeah. school and it was like, I played sports because I commuted to Carmel for high school. Mm. So it was just like, and it, and it helped me in so many ways, I think. And yeah, it was far. It felt really far away from everything that I was doing. Um, Okay, so you're on uh, different tracks then. One of you wants to be
0: in a place like this and one of you wants space.
2: Well, yeah, yeah. And we're working to reconcile that right now actively. (laughs) But, you know, in terms of us coming together, not only was just our our physical environments, not only were they different, but my, you know, hippie parents, Big Sur, Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. more like, I'd say... My dad worked in the tech industry in Southern California and and not hippie parents. So uh, coming up here, I found out about first Big Sur. I was just like, um, this is Narnia in my backyard. I can drive up there. Uh, and then I found out about Esalen and I heard about it. I, I discovered permaculture and I heard that they had a farm with, that employed a lot of permaculture principles mm-hmm. and design methodology, um, the hot tubs and just the intersection of three different amazing bodies of water, this river coming through the mountains, mm-hmm. the ocean, and then these hot springs coming up out of the earth. Incredible. It just like the place just is so resonant and amazing. The the actual land there. So I wanted to check it out. I actually went with my former partner and she was there with her former <laughs> partner. And, um, yeah, we met in the lodge and there's, some funny other details in there that I'll there spare are. you. But uh, <laughs> I was just like, inst- yeah, instantly fascinated by Esalen, first mm-hmm. off um, Amanecer. And her, her name was fascinating to me, but then also this like literally birthed at Esalen, like just mm-hmm. the fascinate, everything about it. I just met her and I was, I was instantly fascinated. And then I met her mom who worked at Esalen for uh, several decades. And she was just this sweet, woman who was mm-hmm. so helpful and warm and inviting and yeah we met and parted ways after that um, and but continued to see each other over the years because uh, mm-hmm. she lived down here so um, and then yeah time and life changes and came back together mm-hmm. but Esalen was was the meeting place yeah
0: <laughs> as I'm sure it is for so many so people so like, it is magical oh, yes yeah. yeah Um, I want to Find out more. I mean, here we haven't even talked about Hidden Kitchen hmm. or or the permaculture company that I think it's yours, right? You own it. You operate yep, it
2: with a business partner. Okay,
0: yeah. and it's Seventh Generation Design. Yep. Okay, so did you study horticulture at Cal Poly?
2: I didn't. I studied mechanical engineering.
0: Oh my gosh, you get more interesting by the minute. <laughs> so yeah. how did you? What did you want to do with mechanical engineering?
2: Um, I really wanted to build planes at first. I actually, I almost went to the Air Force Academy. I saw a top gun. It was released. The year I was born and I just wanted to be Iceman. So, and, and, so I applied to the Air Force Academy and then found out that you only got three week summers and there weren't any surfable waves within a couple days drive. So uh, I decided, okay, if I'm not going to fly them, I'll build them. So I applied to Cal Poly as an aerospace engineer. I heard it had a great program for that and then quickly realized that aerospace engineers don't actually build them. They sit on a computer and design them. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, well, maybe mechanical engineers are the ones that build them, but turns out they don't build them either. They also are just designing the smaller pieces of them. So, um, but I went and got my master's in mechanical engineering and I worked- you got your
0: master's? No. <laughs> wow, you yeah. really, I mean, but like, that just shows that you were, that was gonna happen for you.
2: Well, yeah, it was interesting timing. I graduated in 2008. Uh and, Mm -hmm. um, there were some significant environmental shifts in 2008. So it was, I was kind of just in that place of what am I going to do there? It's not like the job offers were pouring in. So, um, I wasn't feeling enthralled by mechanical engineering, but it just seemed like the thing, the next, the the logical thing to do, especially Cal Poly had a program where you could kind of seamlessly transition right into it. So, um, yeah, did that, worked as an energy engineer for several years. Um, And then discovered permaculture. Yeah. And that was just, yeah, I had found it. It was the intersection of the things that attracted to me that I was attracted to about engineering, but also my love for nature. It's, you know, permaculture is basically observing how nature engineers things and then reverse engineering it and applying it to human habitats. So. Mm that uh it just spoke to me it felt like an opportunity to be outside to be engaging with these landscapes that i loved so much but also appealed
0: to the engineer brain systems yes perspective i have never thought or heard of permaculture in an engineering context and it makes perfect sense because isn't it just the most perfect I don't want to say machine, but like organism, the way that it functions, the way that one thing can feed another and the death of one thing can feed the life of another and all of that and how they work together. It's extremely, extremely elegant, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I had a lot of, when I got into permaculture and I quit my job as an energy engineer, went and did a one month apprenticeship, living on a farm, camping next to pigs. Mm -hmm. And I had a lot of people say, kind of say something to the effect of, wow, you're going to throw away your engineering degree and do something like this. But Um, I didn't feel like that was true and in fact after pursuing it more and and starting this business it feels feels like there's so much synchronicity between the two Mm -hmm. and overlap I feel like the engineering background has really helped me to be a great systems designer like you said to just look at how nature engineers things and the complex system that nature is um, and to apply it to landscapes businesses it's kind of been my big contribution to the hidden kitchen. Um,
0: yeah. So how does that, what is that? How do you dovetail what you do into what hidden kitchen does?
2: Yeah. Well, so I've, I'm a systems designer. I'd say I spend a lot of time looking at landscapes, but the bigger thing is, is engineering how, especially as an engineer, how do these different parts work together? It's not, you know, kind of moving to a technician level where it's like, I, I focus on this part and we live in a culture that really focuses on, Parts were totally. brought up that that way, but thinking about okay, what are the systems that this thing contains, and then also what are the what is the larger system that this piece is a part of? So, I've really enjoyed that process with the hidden kitchen. Looking at okay, the hidden kitchen is not just a cafe. The hidden kitchen contains all of these systems um, mm-hmm. in terms of the the hidden kitchen culture and community and staff and and uh, the the food, you know, processing and the customer relationships, but also the bigger system that the hidden kitchen is a part of, which is the local community and the broader, you know, California community, the food producers, the, the local environment. And, and really thinking about that, identifying these different parts within and that hidden kitchen interacts with, and then designing, how can the hidden kitchen interact with these things in a way that not only strengthens the, resilience of the hidden kitchen um you know produces a, a greater yield mm-hmm. more abundance with less work and energy but how can mm-hmm. it also do the same for the food producers the local community the environment the customers the staff i'm say myself and our little family so um yeah lots of lots of pillow talk about <laughs> just how the hidden kitchen plays in this larger system and Maybe you get sick of it, I'm going to say, but I'm endlessly fascinated by it.
0: I Well, I think you're money in the bank as far as... I mean, that. why own a business if it's not going to feed the community? I mean, and I by feed, I mean that in the broadest way, right? Feed the community, feed the employees, feed the people who source you, know, who you source from. Um, I really believe in that. I Do you know Fabian Tefera with um, Ebony? Mm-hmm. She talks a lot about for her business, if, I'm, if this is gonna make me cranky and stressed out, then I'm not doing it right. Your system is perfectly designed to get you the results you're getting or whatever that old engineering quote is that I love so much. Whatever's happening for you right now, your system is designed to give you that. So if you're stressed out and cranky, then you need to tinker with the system. Um, and yeah, I just think that if more people went into business, thinking about that, we'd have a much healthier uh, way of life. Maybe I'm being naive, but that sounds amazing to me.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I think that our society places a lot of pressure on, on what it should mean to be a business owner versus what it can mean to be a business owner. Yes. And I think that a lot of it stems from this like fear of loss and or external expectation that who is created by who knows who and why, and why do we all feel the need to race after Mm -hmm. um, instead of, yeah, pace well. And um, I think that that's been a part of my journey for sure. Mm -hmm. Um,
2: And I think it's how we were, like I said, brought up. Like mm -hmm. we were brought up in this kind of reductionist way. And it it, it sounds almost like philanthropic, like, oh, I wanna do this in a way that strengthens the growers and strengthens the community. But it actually is in the long term, it's it strengthens everybody, Everybody. most of all, and perhaps the business, you know, in this moment in time where food prices are skyrocketing, and there's all these shortages. um, You know, if you're so if you're completely reliant on the the major food distributors, you are going to be affected by it first but Mm -hmm. if you get your avocados from the guy up the creek Mm -hmm. and you get your strawberries from the you know the guy who you're surfing with down Mm -hmm. you know who's got his strawberry field you're going to to be able to withstand those buffers or um, those changes you're going to have a greater buffer and they are going to as well so Mm -hmm. it just is a a win-win for everybody
0: i can't tell you how many people are saying those exact words right now it's just really becoming a theme for sure I want to take a second to talk about a couple friends of The Consumed podcast, like MidState Containers. My contact at MidState is Jake Knott's, and I have his permission to share about something going on with him personally. Jake lived in Ukraine for many years, and he married a Ukrainian national, his wife Anya. They live on the Central Coast now with their three kids, but when Russia invaded Ukraine last February, Jake was right back there, helping his friends, acquaintances, strangers, and even their pets to escape. Since that time, he and Anya have worked with a team of very capable folks to start a nonprofit called Restore UA, which seeks to organize, fund, and execute relief efforts in Ukraine. Jake is still on the ground in Eastern Europe, coordinating with people here on the Central Coast to fill containers from midstate with humanitarian aid and ship them to Restore UA's headquarters in Poland. Every dollar donated to Restore UA goes straight to humanitarian relief efforts for Ukraine. They even have people sewing bulletproof vests for soldiers fighting Russian forces. It's incredible. The organization is starting to fill up more containers as I speak, and they could really use your financial support. To make a donation and learn more, visit restoreua.org. Thank you. Do you want to be more intentional about the meat you eat and feed your family? Have you even considered giving up eating meat entirely because you can no longer justify supporting the inhumane and industrialized system that brings meat to your dinner table? If you're looking for a simple way to guarantee you always have access to healthy, sustainably farmed meat and wild seafood, the Larder Meat Co. is here to help. Since 2016, Larder Meat Co. has been delivering farm-raised beef, pork, chicken, lamb, and wild seafood sourced from right here in the Golden State to customers who demand the highest quality proteins as well as intentional sourcing standards and transparency. A convenient club box from Larder Meat Co. makes it easy to automate the most important part of your monthly food budget. You can build a custom box or choose from one of the many curated bundles that LMC offers. As a Larder Meat Co. customer, you are supporting the ever-dwindling ranching industry that has fed us for generations, and you're building a sustainable future for your family, our ranchers, and the planet. Use code CONSUMED at checkout to save $25 on your first subscription and check healthy farm-raised meat and wild seafood off your grocery list for good. That's LarderMeatCo.com promo code CONSUMED for $25 off your first subscription. Consumed is sponsored by Slow Life Magazine, a lifestyle publication that celebrates life and culture in San Luis Obispo, California. I write the food column for Slow Life, and I'm actually going out tonight to cover the new restaurant, Cult, for the magazine. I'm going to meet up with photographer Jess Lerner and owners Nino and Cher Ang, and we're going to eat, chat, and snap, and I can't wait. To make sure you see the final product when it comes out, get yourself a subscription at SlowLifeMagazine.com. So you start Seventh Generation Design. What? Uh, who's involved in that? You say that you're one of the founders or one of the partners?
2: Yep. So um, business partner and really good friend Casey mm-hmm. is the other half of that. Casey Pfeiffer and. I actually met him at a conference, and he, a permaculture conference, and he convinced me with not much work uh, sure. to go to and do this apprenticeship that I ended up doing eight years or so ago. And he actually, by the time I made it onto the farm to do the apprenticeship, he had already done an apprenticeship there and was now living on the farm. So we oh, just cool. connected really well. And um, he, he was living on that farm, um, which ended up getting displaced by the Thomas fire in Santa oh, Barbara, gosh, yeah. um, which was tough and challenging. And also, um, just seemed to be also some just interesting timing for him and changes in his life. And, and afterwards I was also in a transitional phase. I'm going to and I just started dating and, um, was moving around a little bit and, and just assessing how I wanted to move forward with my interest in permaculture and systems design. And uh, the, the timing was just right for yeah. the two of us. So, yeah. yeah. So
0: you take on clients around Slow County and probably beyond a bit?
2: Yeah, I'd say mm, maybe two thirds of our clients are here in Slow County. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've had clients in uh, Kentucky, And in Northern California, just want their
0: system to be, you know, to to have the um, the inputs sustainability in mind. Figuring out how to do that on what like a large scale um, operation.
2: Yeah, yeah. So it's um, you know again, a lot of our work has kind of been focused on a landscape level, but it's really it's uh, it's pretty holistic in terms of um, not just all of those elements on a landscape, but also economy community, mm-hmm. all these things. So the one in, in um, Kentucky was a an outdoor school for kids mm-hmm. and they just gained access to, I think, 400 acres of raw land. They were like, okay, where mm-hmm. where do we start? We have this blank canvas and it's almost when you have more space, it becomes more overwhelming. Yeah. Like, you know, where do you begin? So they brought us in to kind of design where's the, you know, kind of on an excellent level, where's the lodge gonna be? Where mm-hmm. is the, the, where the teacher residence is going to be and all these different things but i'd say half of it ended up being kind of facilitating this community development conversation relationships with the neighbors and all these things like we were mentioning earlier um you know having great neighbors is one of the best assets you can have to a business you know a cafe a a land-based project a, a nature school, a retreat center, a farm, yeah. whatever it is. So Yes,
0: it's so true. It The quality of life raises so much when you are good with your neighbors, when you're tight with your neighbors, and mm-hmm. you can really, I mean, when it's functional and you can really rely on them, it just is so good. Yeah. Um. Okay, so I want to ask about Hidden Kitchen 1.0.
1: Okay.
0: So, Cambria. <laughs> yeah, 1.0, I love it, that's what it's called. <laughs> um, that little space is so special. What made you decide to choose that, the little little tucked back was, guy there, IV-covered
1: guy? Yeah, uh, it was a total fluke, I think. Um, I don't even think starting a restaurant was even on my radar at the time. I was... Doing a lot of makers' markets with clothing and jewelry, actually, that I had started making. And so I was, I had sort of moved away from my restaurant serving career for the time being and just to feel what it felt like to have a little bit more sovereignty in my life and um, to tap into some of the creative outlets that I had always been excited about but was never, had never prioritized. Mm-hmm. Um, and then met a woman who was making ghee at mm-hmm. the time. And she said, I'm looking for a kitchen, and, and I happen to be on Craiglet- Craigslist. There's a tiny little space for, I don't even, I don't know if I should tell you how cheap it was to rent the space. <laughs> it would be insane of us not to try something. I know that you've always wanted to do this. I know that you have your smoothie recipes. I know She's saying this about you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. But she also had, she just said, let's do it together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had had this blue corn waffle recipe session day with actually Casey, Wes's business partner, Wes, and then Casey's partner, Sammy. Mm-hmm. And we had created this really fun blue corn waffle day. And it was just this whole experiment with the scientists. Sammy's a scientist and they're the engineer brains and I'm the con- the the idea person. Yeah, we had, visionary. Um, <laughs> oh, and it was just like the most fun day. We tried all the different toppings. So it was like, well, I, I have this I knew I always wanted to do smoothies. That was, I was going to either expatriate and go live in Costa Rica and have a little smoothie Mm -hmm. shack or find a way to do that here. Um, But then it coincided perfectly with having just created this blue corn waffle recipe. And so it was just, um, it was a total fluke. And the space became available and we said, let's just do it. It's month to month. Um, So we brought the waffle iron. I think we, found one at Goodwill or something (laughs) brought my smoothie blender from home and went to Costco and found all the organic things that we could use, went to the co-op wherever we could source the ingredients and and started with just like this little pop-up. And then, and we did for a month. Um, and it, and it was pretty turnkey as far as just space. I mean, we didn't need much except for this little cooktop grill for frying eggs and bacon. Mm -hmm. Um, and the
2: space was already so beautiful. It was so, if only because yeah. the ivy growing. Yeah. everywhere. The ivy instantly everything. makes yeah. you feel like you're in a secret garden. So. It's So true. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's so true. And it was behind a little gate to begin with, I think, right?
1: Yeah. So it's on the back patio. It used to be called the Nest, and it was an art gallery. So building in the front, then alleyway with our own entrance, um, but it could be accessed through the art gallery as well. Um, the art gallery at the time wasn't super busy, and of course, neither were we, because we were impossible to find. And so for the first like I would say couple weeks it was sort of like, Okay, we're sitting back here by ourselves, <laughs> no one's coming except for the Wes and iron's Coral. Hot. Yeah. <laughs> and 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 there were a couple people who moseyed in. and I remember one of my first customers came in and said, What do you have going back here? You know, the demographic of Cambria, who's this sweet old man who I love so much still. Um <laughs> And it was just sort of like, well, we're, we're trying out these waffles. You want to try one? He said, "Oh no, I can't have any sugar, and I'll just take a cup of coffee." And but then we sat down and we talked for a little while. So I think slowly people started wandering in. Um, it coincided with the Scarecrow Festival in Cambria, which is a huge deal. It's a huge yeah, deal. Yeah. Mm, it's so precious. It's so cute. <laughs> yeah. That town Some is so Some of those scarecrows little... are terrifying,
0: by the way. Yeah. <laughs> don't bring a little kid there with the one with the knife in front of the <laughs> in front of the yeah. pizza place. It was just like,
1: oh my gosh. gosh okay. Oh, but yeah, no, know. it's
0: great. I love the diversity and variety.
1: And but... it's like it that's what they do in Cambria. There's like yeah. funky little little things like that. So I think we had this sort of grand opening idea the weekend of the Scarecrow Festival, and the idea was, let's dress up this cute little human, Coral, who's th- three. This is your daughter, Coral.
2: My daughter, who wanted who wanted to dress up, oh, you yeah. know, and she but was she so was, stoked on this. And she was
1: <laughs> in this phase of like only wearing costumes, so the, yeah. the day she showed up, she was wearing the ladybug costume, mm. and I had this tray, it's like, okay, Wes and Coral, go out to the to the street I know you have to walk down the aisle and hold we'll just be making samples so like smoothie na- samples waffle samples. Oh I love it yeah so they had their little platter with the toothpicks and people would taste one and then someone would come back in come back to the back and I was doing the cooking and it was like hi this is who we are and mm-hmm. here's more samples if you want but just you know try what we've got and and soon enough I think I think it was mostly the local population who started, coming and being with us and um would share gratitude for just the concept um gluten-free has definitely come into reality for a lot of people um we were doing organic food and we were doing breakfast so there wasn't a ton of other breakfast spots there were coffee shops and things like that but yeah the community really picked us up and then we just sort of i'm trying to remember we started in october and then we closed for a couple months when it started raining and then we reopened. in i think march and really like had a full summer spring fall Mm -hmm. um you sorry to interrupt but it's also i think
0: important to mention that the demographic working at hidden kitchen like you said i mean there just aren't cambria does tend to be for many people a retirement kind of destination and so wonderfully just charming darling really swells with tourists And the people who live there aren't always, you know, they're not always young people starting businesses. So there had to have been an attraction there to these two young women and certainly a little girl with, you know, a ladybug costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But there's something enticing about that. You know, I want to be where this fun, young place is. Yeah. These people
1: yeah maybe that is what it was i don't honestly it felt like such a dreamy little blur um and and it was sort of short-lived because i think at the end of that year our the building was for sale uh that nest and so it it was for sale and fell through a few times but the fact that our security was constantly feeling compromised, Mm -hmm. um, forced us to, and at one point the building sold and Mm -hmm. we were told we were going to have to leave. And so it became clear that we needed to just sort of find a more solid lease, um, for longer term. Mm -hmm. And, um, at the time we, Coral was going to outside now and we had some friends Mm -hmm. who, i just had reached out to everybody it was like hidden kitchen needs a new home if anybody knows anything or anyone who has a building we're happy to do the renovations we are just looking for space we want to continue at that point we had gained some momentum so Mm -hmm. there was there was a commitment to continuing on and one of our now friends and current landlords was a um, mom at Coral School and she said, "Well, I know this antiquated building on the strip of cayucas and I know the owners of that building and I sort of was and like
0: who was there before you?"
1: Uh it was Skippers. Skippers, that's Skippers, right. Skippers, yeah. Um and they had retired and it and yeah. so our current landlords are old-time cayucas mm-hmm. residents um and grew up in the area and so they ended up buying it and it it was sort of like this, again, this fluke joke thing where she said, well, I know the owners of this building. And I said, who, who are they in this? And she said, it's me. And she said, yeah, I know the owners. Yeah, it's me. Yeah. Oh, oh, darling is that? So we ended up signing a lease. and To the coolest place. <laughs> it's so cool. The coolest place. I mean, that is just a find.
2: It was pretty funky at the time. It was. It, I <laughs> know, but fun. that location,
0: yeah, yeah. the fact that it faces out oh, on yeah, North yeah. Ocean Avenue and faces back. And the it has ocean, a,
1: yeah, the biggest patio yes. on the strip. I mean, I love yeah. that it's one level; like you can just see everything that's happening. And it was certainly very different. We were so used to being exposed all the time, and having having our kitchen be our window out to yeah. our interactions with people, which um, was a huge value of ours was just that connection piece. Mm-hmm. And
2: I think some of the appeal of the Cambria one it was just you felt. You felt like you were almost in someone's kitchen, like mm-hmm. getting home-cooked yes. food prepared yeah. right in front of you. So it was kind of – it felt concerning at first. Like, yeah. oh, everyone's going to be so tucked away in the kitchen here.
1: Yeah, and for me, as the person who was still the one making all the food, it was sort of like, I'm going to miss my people. And so mm-hmm. the way that Cayucas is designed now, I think I've become very used to. But I was really scared, and mm-hmm. I, I was – afraid that just all of of what Cambria kind of had created for us in in just the nature of the location was going to go away. And, of course, it hasn't. You know, we tried to – we had a three-month sort of pedal-to-the-metal redecoration of skippers to create Hidden Kitchen in Cayucas with the help of the permaculture brain person Mm -hmm. who was the designer um, for function and flow. And then – And then simultaneously, (laughs) all of a sudden, we look up, and it's like, oh, there's a pandemic happening. Oh, no. And like, (laughs) but it's fine, because we just, we're going to do this. It'll it'll go away. It's not a big deal. And then we had our grand opening March, I think it was 13th, 2020. And then we had two days open. And then all of a sudden, I looked on the news, and they said, oh, wait, restaurants actually can't be open anymore and we're going to take out only so it was um yeah it's just just been such a journey that part was Mm -hmm. i feel like things have just complete it's it all happened exactly the way it was supposed to um and we have two locations because the the sale fell through for however many times and then we were asked to stay in cambria as well wow which is
2: i think a testament to just the um the focus on community and, and this systems approach that you and I've been just talking about together because it was purchased by a a friend and customer who like part of the reason she purchased it is because she wanted the hidden kitchen to stay. So yeah, just your, yeah, your value about, you know, this place is for the Cambria community first. Tourists are welcome also, but Mm -hmm. I think that that's part of why Cambria also embraced it. You know, the, the even even you know the older timer the old timers but also you know you developed relationships with Soto's too then right? the employees yes. would come over and and the Robin's crew and it was just mm-hmm. you were yeah you guys were just so welcoming and embracing of the Cambria community right. that uh, whether it's the you know your friend buying the building in Cambria or being offered the building in Cayucas is a, is a testament to just your engagement with the community mm-hmm. and focus on community.
0: Yeah. It, when you talk about being afraid to have the second location because it's different, the language you use reminds me of the way I felt when I had my second child, which mm. was like, but I've got this perfect little thing going on here. I don't know how I could possibly feel the same way with someone else. Mm. And the magic is when it's right, you can. Yeah. It does it's not what, there's an old adage that it's not splitting your heart in two when you have two children it's it's actually giving you two hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I mean, Cambria and Cayucas, they both have their own flavor, their own vibe, their own functionality. I mean, you talked you mentioned the Robbins folks. You talked to um, Shanny or Robin Covey about locations and how each location has its very own, foibles and culture and, um, just flow mm-hmm. and that they all, it doesn't matter if you have the exact same, <coughs> excuse me, crew.
1: Yeah. <coughs> cool. <laughs> same.
0: <coughs>
2: Water brick.
1: Mm-hmm. <coughs> it's clear something got stuck. Um,
0: what was I saying?
1: Same crew. It doesn't matter if
0: you have the same crew <coughs> or the same, masterminds behind it the same product Mm -hmm. whatever it is the building will dictate how it works which I'm sure you think about all the time the space will dictate the vibe the culture of the place so the fact that you've made it work in both is really remarkable
1: yeah and they are night and day and I think culturally speaking we're Uh, And even now we're just sort of experimenting with, you know, how I'm trying to be in both and everyone is, is sort of expected. And when we sit people down for their interview, we say, the expectation is that you are willing to, this is, this is the team. And so we work in both locations and you get to go and have your little Narnia space. And then you come to the big sort of like, yeah, yeah. Like machine Mm -hmm. and, because all of our prep happens in Cayucas, and all, it, it's just a, a bigger location. Mm. Um, and it's so many things. They both are so many things. They're just, it's, you can't compare them because mm. it's the same food, same food, less food in Cambria, less options in Cambria. Um, but culturally I think it's been my mission to sort of maintain the culture between both. Yeah. Um, I think that
0: makes a ton of sense actually
1: yeah
2: yeah and context specific not just in the building but the community too mm-hmm. like the, the, the cambria vibe is so different from the cayucas vibe like mm-hmm. in terms of just the towns yeah. so that also yeah. dictates so much the energy yeah. of the different places and restaurants and and the tourists who go to cambria yeah. are different from the tourists so in cayucas, totally so. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so. but
0: you're right the energy is very different yeah. Once more, I want to give love to a couple other podcast friends. Slow Food Co-op is your friendly neighborhood grocer, maintaining local, organic, and non-GMO standards. Slow Food Co-op sources from local producers, ensuring they offer their shoppers great food and household staples. With a mission to empower health and well-being in the community, they offer local produce, meats, low-to-no-waste foods, and wellness items. You can find Slow's only community-owned grocery store on their website at slowfood.coop and visit Slow Food Co-op in-store at 2494 Victoria Avenue in San Luis Obispo, California. Native Nine Wine is part of Ranchos de Anaveros a Santa Maria winery that sponsors the Consumed podcast. Owner James Onaveros was on the podcast way back in its first season, but if you haven't listened to it, I think this recent blurb from Food & Wine magazine will give you some context on who James is. This is written by Jonathan Cristaldi. James Ray Onaveros is a name to put on your short list of must-watch vintners. A ninth-generation farmer who works lands established by his family in the early 1780s, Onaveros decided to plant vines on the property in 1997, after which he studied at Cal Poly, worked in Sonoma, and soaked up the secrets of the Pinot trade during visits to legendary Burgundy estates like Domaine du Jacques and Domaine de la Romanée Conti. Today, winemaker Justin Willett works with James to produce native nine wines, and they are destined to become commodities to stockpile. Out-of-this-world aromatics of savory wild herbs, leather and tobacco leaf are complemented by red currants and juicy cherries, all lingering through a long mineral finish. Well, I, Jamie, can confirm that the wines really are that good. Let the stockpiling begin at ranchesdeonoveroswines.com. Yeah. Well, it's been so wildly successful. I mean, I don't know if you can see that from, you know, you're like riding in the plane, but all of us are watching the flight pattern and it's just so wildly (laughs) successful. Um, I see you popping up everywhere. Um, but as you're talking about smoothies and blue corn waffles and that you were kind of like, I'm going to try to do both. I'm going to do both of these things, you know, when you're first planning it. You could see where something like that would not do well. Where it would just, it's like, funk, just funky enough. It's like right on the edge where people could either embrace it or be like, what's going on here? Um, and they've embraced it. And I'm sure, I'm certain that has something to do with the Again, the culture and the um, your warmth and, and the team. It's very clearly a team happening there. It's not just your show or anything like that, but um, people have really embraced it. They didn't write it off, um, and it's pretty cool to see. I've still never had a smoothie. I've always, always gone for the waffle. Um, and I love the weirdos waffle. Do you still yeah, make that? Yeah, it makes yeah. no sense. Let's I just be real, okay? Know. That waffle makes no sense. I know. Awesome. It's so good. It's
1: my favorite waffle. Is it really? Yeah, it's my favorite. I do it with almond butter though. Okay. So that's a. Because it used to be peanut butter, right? It is peanut butter oh, still. Oh, oh But you do I, it with almond. I choose almond butter. It's just, um, I think people prefer peanut butter. So I, hmm. it doesn't matter what I prefer. <laughs> no, it does. Well, so totally describe does. that waffle because I oh, think yeah. anybody who hasn't
0: been there would like to understand
1: yeah, so it the order of operations I'm thinking as Go, I'm like it. food prep. Um, waffle in the waffle iron it takes about seven minutes per waffle. Uh, <laughs> and, and what then, exactly I'm sorry to interrupt yeah. what
0: what is in that exactly?
1: So many things, so many things. Um, I will so we do a blend of blue corn, almond flour, tapioca flour, mm-hmm. and then acid would be the lemon. We put maple syrup, lemon juice, um, maple syrup. We do almond milk and eggs, baking soda. And totally gluten free. 100% gluten free. And vegan? Am I right about that? No it? eggs. The eggs, eggs are the non vegan. Yeah. Yes, but. Yeah, and I was like not willing to get away from it because
0: they just are critical to that waffle. Totally, no, absolutely. But the fact that it's gluten free and mm. refined sugar free, yes. So that's a big huge.
1: consideration when people come and they and the maple syrup we use is so good. It's yeah. like just such good quality, and all the ingredients are. It's yeah. all organic. It's all really well sourced. So anyway. Uh, Mm. waffle down and then we actually do a banana fried on the grill with bacon so it sort of starts to cook in the bacon fat that (laughs) is cooking Um, Mm. and so we make sure that the banana becomes really caramelized Mm -hmm. and then we do butter the banana bacon pile on top and then peanut butter and maple syrup and it's like what about cacao nibs do you still do that no we never did it with cacao nibs I on that, you did not on the weirdo. Maybe someone put that on your weirdo. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I need to have that like cross stitched wow. into a pillow. Maybe somebody put
1: that on your weirdo. <laughs> that sounds, I love sounds it. Sounds like it'd be good. Though, that sounds yeah. great. I'm like a cacao nib, <laughs> yeah, fan for sure. Yeah, texturally, I love it.
0: Is there a coconut whip on there too?
1: Or not something? that one. We do have coconut whip cream options for just whatever you want, and and people yeah. will. Do really interesting things like they'll add strawberries to their weirdo. I mean, we're, we're huge proponents of just like, let us do, we have the ingredients. If you want them all mixed together, maybe we won't identify with that combination, but you do, do you. what feels good to you. Oh, yeah, no, exactly. What feels right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so. those,
0: those bacon, it's like the ends, Nyman yes. bacon, Nyman ranch bacon. Yes. Is, and they're, so they're kind of like extra chewy. Almost jerky-like. Yes. And um, gosh, so tasty. Yeah. So tasty.
1: What's the best-selling waffle? The Sandless Sunrise, which I actually remember making for you one yeah. time. Mm-hmm. The Sunrise with the HK sauce. But I think it's just – it. if you go savory, I think – the sunrise is the most popular and it has the bacon and it ends in the fried eggs and then the HK yeah. sauce, which I will never give the recipe up for. I don't need you to give <laughs> okay. But can you describe yeah. what it tastes like? Yeah, it's a a super clean chipotle aioli basically. Yeah. So um instead of using some of the oils that create stomach aches and things like that we use avocado oil in the base so it's just super clean um it has that smoke to it It has a little bit of spice but not too much mostly smoke and then yeah just herbies and salts and peppers and it's (laughs) it's honest like wes and i have a squirt bottle of it in our fridge at all times we put it on everything but it is the base for all of our savory waffles Um, and so then we do the eggs for the sunrise and then the bacon and then half an avocado okay so you get your two eggs and bacon but you get it on a waffle sure. and hopefully you're okay with just bites of all all well, four it's, things
0: it's blue corn i try my husband is not a waffle guy at all he's interesting well do you, yeah i'll go into it. so <laughs> so he um <laughs> never liked bread as a kid hmm. never didn't care for the crust on a pie didn't care for the crust on a pizza didn't like sandwiches didn't Okay.
1: <laughs> is that you? I'm like, give me your crust yeah, all the time. I'm less yeah. of a crust guy,
2: although I've become more so than <laughs> I, when I was a kid.
1: Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, the
0: interesting thing is, um, I'm going to out him here. Um, he is has celiac disease. And so he... he totally rejected it the first time he was diagnosed, decided to have a a second one done, rejected it when that one came back positive, and finally, after his third diagnosis, believed that he does have celiac disease. So we almost wonder if he didn't like bread because it upset his, Mm. like if, you know, there was a a circuit there that was shorting. Mm. Um, But so he's not a big waffle guy. But when we go to Hidden Kitchen, I'm always trying to remind him, these are blue corn waffles they use the blue corn for tacos as
1: well. I mean, they make it, you often will have a special, or do you always have them on? We try to do monthly specials. Yeah. We were doing, like, many specials Tacos are month, always but... on it, though. Oh. I feel like tacos in, in are Kay- always Kay- there, Kay- right? I Kay- guess the tacos are a part of the oh, menu. Oh, yeah, sorry, I didn't understand that. Yes, we always have tacos. We have breakfast tacos and lunch yeah. tacos. I
0: mean, it's so it's it's really not all that different. It's maybe just less corn.
2: Well, and the interesting yeah. thing, too, is it's not just blue corn meal. It's uh, masa, yeah. which is kind of unique because I've had corn waffles before and they've had cornmeal mixed in. Mm-hmm. But this is was part of how blue corn even came onto our, or blue corn masa came onto our radar. I've been fascinated for several years about traditional foods and food preparations. And historically in traditional cultures, corn was never eaten unless it was nixtamalized first yeah. or mixed with a, uh, soaked in an alkaline solution. So yeah. by doing that, it makes it, so much more digestible yes and that's why they did it and more flavorful Mm. so it's even more like you know moving away from gluten especially for someone who has a gluten intolerance or celiacs is a automatic like okay this is going to be easier to eat but then having the masa be in it is even easier to digest too so um and that's the same in the tortillas or the waffles so
0: yeah and so all the blue corn is what in it's soaked in lime or whatever Mm -hmm. okay So it's all masa. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so much easier to digest. I mean, it's like fermentation. It's all the same kind of thing where it's almost already digested for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So the smoothies, what makes those special? Because I know people are very into them. Do you do a lot of maca root or something like that? What is it?
1: Uh, We just, it's all about our texture. Like I because I, I love smoothies so much I go when I'm on my days off and I'm not at Hidden Kitchen I go around and eat other people's smoothies and when I'm at Hidden Kitchen I don't even eat waffles anymore I just eat my smoothie every day um, so we use
0: that sounds like a really nice life but... <laughs> oh yeah, my gosh I like
1: have access to mm. so many good things um the smoothies are just really thick, so we blend. Yeah. We just have a different ratio, and we use a lot more fruit and then less liquid, and then we just have really good blenders. Yeah. So we call it an ice cream, actually. Yes, um, that's what
0: it looks like yeah. when I see pictures of it. It looks like ice cream, like basically.
1: overflowing, and it holds really well. Mm-hmm. And it kind of it, you know, that's that's like the the dream consistency. Um, and that's how they should be coming out, but I think we, yeah, we have we have you know the spirulina powders and the turmeric powders and protein powder. We actually don't use maca, mm-hmm. um, but I've thought about it and I've made some maca smoothies in my house, and I'm just trying to, I'm trying to. There's like a maltiness to it that I really like, which in 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 smoothies in all of them. In no, maca. I like it with a
0: chocolate kind mm. of a like with a cocoa powder, yeah. even with. Like avocado in it, that kind of mm, thing. I really yeah. have enjoyed maca powder in it. It nice. makes almost like a. It makes something taste, um. Not what am I trying to say? It makes it taste almost sinful, kind of like hmm. it's got a quality to it, almost vanilla malt kind of quality that mm-hmm. I really like. Yeah. yeah, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Do you have any smoothies with maca? We Does don't have just any with maca. Standard? No, yeah.
1: no, we have uh, the one that sort of reminds me most of. Of that kind of experience that you're talking about is the perfumo protein which is just banana based but then we add this protein powder that sort of gives it maybe that like um the consistency piece it just adds to it, yes. But then the there's textural. the dates in there too, so you oh. get little nugs of like sweetness and little nugs, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and cacao nibs, so you get the crunch mm. in there too. So that one's really, really nibs and delicious, nugs. yeah. <laughs> that should co- be a business the coffee name, one for some kind of one. has
2: a bit of a maca,
1: yeah. That one too. Do to you have a there's... coffee one? Yeah, nice. we have a coffee one, it has coffee grounds and we use cold brew as the liquid, beautiful, and it is just. It's like coffee and breakfast in one, which is so sweet. That's an almond butter, so you get your protein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love so. That I mean, I can tell from your face the way you're talking about. You're still into it. <laughs> oh, I'm obsessed. I I love. Yeah, hidden kitchen. It's so. I was just talking to somebody the other day. I think, like, I'm doing my dream and it's so cool because of course none of it's been rainbows and butterflies so much of it has been and not all of it has been um with just the external factors of of being a business owner and yeah. and the ever-changing world and when I show up to that place every single day it's like I know my people are there I yeah. am really good friends with everybody I love the food that we're creating I it, it's like my home yeah sometimes <laughs> i come home And I'll talk about my other home and that's, I mean, I spend so much of my time and energy and, um, some of my, some of my friends have worked there for, since we started and still are working there. And, um, I knew
0: you had a loyal crew. I just saw that it was the same people. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, It's just, it's like, it's so many good things. Mm. I am really, truly so grateful for that place. It's awesome. Yeah.
0: Mm. Um, yeah. I cannot believe it. I'm looking down at the time. It says 52 minutes, and I just I feel like it would say 32 minutes. Mm-hmm. I we are chatting, chatting, well, yeah. and it's good. Let me. Just, I do want to ask you one more thing. Yeah. Um, two more things. Mm-hmm. The first being, how do you each of you take care of yourselves when you're overwhelmed, or or even when you're not? What do you do to rest?
1: Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm a big well, fan of rest, yeah but I really like hearing what other I like learning from other people, yeah, yeah.
2: well, so we've got a seven year old um so and and then we each have our own businesses, so rest has been uh definitely a topic of discussion for us i've been uh so my my go to my my church my meditation is surfing mm-hmm. um so that's yeah, that's that's my form of recharge. I wouldn't yeah. say it's necessarily restful, but I feel like spiritually restful. Yes, yeah. um, and then, yeah, I've been getting in some naps lately. <laughs> Here I and there. napping is like a, it's a practice, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, it's amazing. Well, and I, I'm so grateful to my daughter, for my daughter for, um, I guess, just reminding me how amazing naps are yeah. because I would, you know, over the last few years, I've been wanting to really... It's just amazing how much more we take care of other people and but then we have a harder time taking care of ourselves. So it's like, oh, we need to implement structure for coral and make sure she's well rested, but then have not done a great job of taking care of myself in that same way. So mm-hmm. instead of, you know, putting her down for naps and then running off to get a little bit of work done, I'll just you know, I'm gonna just close my eyes for five or ten minutes oh, and it. just, you know, relax and then I'll get up but then I would fall asleep and it felt great. Yes, <laughs> so yes. There I've been trying to no, keep that going a little totally, bit. Totally,
0: totally. I'll get in a spell where, I mean, I have an office downtown with my husband and there's a couch in there and occasionally I will just let my eyes flutter close. It's just like, and the sun is streaming in through the window. It's, you can't not. Yeah. And it's good. It mm-hmm. does feel like a spiritual practice for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay.
1: Yeah, rest is such a, I like my whole life, my my i was just a sleeper i've always 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 <laughs> loved and required so much rest and yeah. so much sleep and in this phase of my life and and having started hidden kitchen the rest piece has been like the the question mark, like, how am I going to get as much rest as... It seems like my body just actually needs. Yeah. Or is this just the story I tell myself? But then, you know, going back in time, it seems like... Everybody's different. Yeah. Maybe
0: you do... What What are we talking here, like, nine hours? No. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> now you have to... What is, are we talking, wow. like, 13
1: hours? Yeah, it's like, I just have an like 11
2: to 12 hour, I, if given the chance. Is that so... If
1: given the chance. I don't... I don't get that much sleep. Yeah. But if... I don't have an alarm set and I mm. have no plans. Um, you know, the cafe I actually mandated is closed on Tuesday, Wednesday, so that everybody gets their weekend, yeah. including and especially me, because I, I'm, I, uh,
2: yeah. What did your Argentine grandmother call you? tortuga la dormilona oh yeah
1: <laughs> tortuga was one of them because i always slept in this position but then yeah i was always car- called dormilona which means like the the big sleeper <laughs> and i just would and i and not so much naps but just through the night like always yeah. so um i do love sleeping and we've been doing a really good job of like getting into bed earlier and winding down or, earlier so um so as to maximize the amount of hours. And you run it. a breakfast
0: place, right? So you're getting up earlier probably
1: than most of us. I don't know. Yeah, it opens at 9, so I did that on purpose too. And there, are no, there are no baked goods. <laughs> and there's no baking, so you just... You're so smart. So for me, it was like the whole... And you know, there's been a lot of just ebbing and flowing, but the reason I started this was to just work with my life and who I am and not try to force myself to be different knowing that I'm historically I haven't been a morning person mm-hmm. and so it's like okay I can manage 9 o'clock because for the first couple years it was me opening and, and closing the restaurant right. um, yeah so I, I would say sleeping and then in that sort of spiritual realm and just reconnecting quiet time that the hiking um, yes. and being outside and especially in like nature spaces mm-hmm. i think that that's the that's my preferred form of just like checking back in with a monastery and how i'm doing and just resetting yeah. um and i like to pretty regularly upkeep that commitment to myself so, so good yeah so good okay
0: last question is if it were your last day on earth because you weren't going to exist anymore the next day hmm. <clears throat> and you're like i've done such a good job living this life what would you eat to celebrate, and what would you drink, and who would be there?
1: Mm. Um, I grew up in an Argentine household, and so the, like, the asado, the meats, yeah, Um, I, like, dream about it. I fantasize about it. We don't have the same cuts of meat in the United States, and we don't also eat the same things, the same parts of the cow. Mm -hmm. Um, But it would be, like, a. it's, like, this whole experience where you spend a day with your family. So I think twofold. I would have my entire family um, and my closest friends um, and community members. In they called it the quinchos, like, where you build the fire in the morning, and there's a huge table for up to – 24 people mm. and you build the fire the, the fire and then you cook all of the meat the entire day over coals mm. and then it's just this like gastronomic experience for the entire day and you're drinking uh we actually offer it at the, at the hidden kitchen it's called clerico and it's a mm. white wine sangria so you're like out in summertime with your sangria and you you're eating the fruit of the season out of the bottom mm. of the glass and it's beautiful oh my gosh it's so beautiful it's like uh, the the most nostalgic moments of my life are just in the summer heat in Argentina, mm-hmm. s- and and then this like amazing spread of of all the best meat, grass fed, like family wine, mm-hmm. all the things. It's uh that would be probably my dream oh, day. Wonderful. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. It's so nice. Yeah,
1: <laughs> can we go there
0: now? Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, for me it would definitely be Mexican food. Mm-hmm. Um, my, Southern California surfer. Yeah, yeah, my my username and email for a long time has been Mexican food dude, <laughs> and uh, and it's it's true about me. So mm-hmm. and as much as I love the hidden kitchen tacos, I think if I had to choose my final, it would be some like street cart pastor mm-hmm. tacos on the spit, tortilla cooked in the pastor juice with the with the <laughs> pineapple. Yep. And it would be uh I'd have a nice margarita on the side and Rock it would rocks blended. On the rocks with yes. a tahine rim. Nice. And uh and it would be with just all of my my friends mm-hmm. and on on a beach with hopefully some fun waves right out in front <laughs> Gosh, guys
1: you did that well thank <laughs> you it's like we have yeah. thought about this before <laughs> <laughs> this is a question
2: we've actually asked each other in friends it's like yeah. a dinner time question yeah. yeah like you're you're about to get the electric chair but you're told you can eat you could have you like one final meal whatever yeah. you want you know yeah maybe i try I, not to bring I, the electric I like, chair i like your question maybe we'll change ours no, a little I know. bit <laughs> oh, no 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 yeah. it's yeah. good
0: it's good Thank you so much for coming down to slow and chatting it up with me.
1: Mm, Oh, sweet. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.
0: That's another episode in the Books for the Consumed podcast, which is produced and edited by me, Jamie Lewis. Special thanks to Stefan and Elisa Geraldo of Geraldo Creative Studio for their beautiful video and photography work that's kind of sprucing up my Instagram feed at Jamie C. Lewis, as well as on the website, letsgetconsumed.com. And thank you listeners as always for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Jamie Lewis.